Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Now we turn to the Mountain Eagle to read news from Whitesburg. Your reader today is Bill Van Arstel. We will begin with the edition dated December 6, 2023, which the publishers have donated to Radio I. As a reminder, Radio I is a reading service intended for people who are blind or have other disabilities that make it difficult to read printed material. The first headline is, Flames Threatened Old Votech School. A fire sparked by an electrical line charred the roof of the old vocational school near Pine Mountain Junction, but was extinguished before any serious damage was done. Whitesburg Fire Chief Charles Colwell said the service drop for the building caused the fire, which was reported about 12.30 p.m. Sunday. He said the fire was started when the line sagged and rubbed against metal flashing on the edge of the roof. The constant friction wore off insulation until the three-phase power line showered sparks on the rubber roof. Colwell said what happened would have been like a welder when the bare wire touched the metal. He said the resulting short circuit caused the fuse on the power pole to kick, cutting off power to the building. We used the snorkel and put the fire out on the rubber roof, Colwell said. We knocked it out pretty quick. The power was already off. He said the power company's fuse worked as it should, preventing a second arc. The fire department was on scene around an hour and a half, including checking for damage inside the building and covering items inside with tarpaulins until the roof can be fixed. He said the amount of flammable material stored in the building could have fueled a serious fire if the roof had burned through. The old building is mostly used for storage, but also houses the Alternative Education Center and practice spaces for archery teams, cheerleading and dance teams, and wrestling teams. And the next headline is, State Racing to Get U.S. 119 Guardrails Up Before Ice Snow. Travelers along U.S. 119 South between Whitesburg and Eolia say the lack of guardrails along the highway has made it dangerous to drive on, especially as the weather gets colder and the road ice is over. The Kentucky Department of Transportation contracted with King Crete to drill into the mountain and place steel rails to shore up the road. While that company has finished with the brakes along US-119 and has moved on to other trouble spots, the state's guardrail contractor still hasn't started to replace the rails. Transportation District 12 Public Affairs Officer Shantana Woodward said some of the work was delayed when one of the drills used by King Crete broke down in late October. Woodward said on November 1st that the guardrails could not be installed until the other work was completed. We estimate another three to four weeks of drilling before this portion of the project is completed, Woodward said then. Once drilling is complete, we can move forward with guardrail. 
I do not have a time frame on when our guardrail contractor will begin work, but the plan is to reinstall railing on all of our drilled sites. The state put up cones and barrels as warning on October 31st after it was called about the problem. But residents of the Cumberland River section of the county say they're worried about driving on the mountain this winter with the guardrails removed and nothing more than plastic cones between them and the steep mountainside. Pine Mountain often sees snow when there is none anywhere else in the county, and temperatures are naturally colder, causing a risk of black ice when roads everywhere else are just wet. Valerie Prater Sorer, who lives at Eolia, said she counted 17 places where the guardrails have been removed. In some places, she said, the breaks in the guardrail are more than 100 feet long. On the other side of the white line, the drop can be anywhere from around 10 feet to over 50 feet. Lives are endangered with the treacherous road conditions, and it is imperative for this project to be moved to the top of the priority list immediately before someone is hurt, Sorer said. The National Weather Service in Jackson was forecasting accumulating snow in higher elevations Tuesday night, but said relatively warm temperatures the past few days should prevent most accumulation on roadways. The next story is, cops say Pear possessed about one-half pound of meth. Police arrested a man and woman in Jenkins that they say had nearly half a pound of methamphetamines in their possession at the time of the arrest. Emery Mullins, 49, of 40 Lonesome Dove Drive, McRoberts, and Samantha Nicole Callahan, 34, address not available, were arrested in a traffic stop in Jenkins on November 26th. Mullins, who was driving, was charged with several moving violations, possession of drug paraphernalia, open alcoholic beverage in a vehicle, first-degree trafficking in a controlled substance, first offense greater than or equal to two grams of methamphetamine, and possession of marijuana. Callahan, who was in the passenger seat, was charged with first-degree trafficking in a controlled substance, first offense greater than or equal to two grams of methamphetamine, public intoxication, controlled substance excludes alcohol, possession of marijuana, and possession of drug paraphernalia. According to the citation, a metal thermos was taped to the roof rack of the SUV and contained multiple empty plastic baggies, three plastic bags containing 29 grams of methamphetamines each, and large chunks of a substance believed to be methamphetamines that weighed 129 grams. Jenkins police made the arrest with assistance from the Letcher County Sheriff's Department. Police agencies in Letcher County continue to make arrests daily of suspects believed to be holding methamphetamines, but the number of cases involving the painkiller fentanyl and the large animal tranquilizer carfentanil are on the rise. The Letcher County Sheriff's Department and Jenkins Police reported several new drug trafficking cases over the past 10 days after serving warrants and making traffic stops. I'd say we have 100 cases involving fentanyl right now, Sheriff Mickey Stein said. Cases over the past few days include Daryl Holcomb, 33, of 496 Flintfield Drive, and Glenda Polly, 54, of 10 Boggs Hollow, 
were arrested after a traffic stop on Buster Drive at Millstone on November 23rd. Hawkins was charged after police say they found a vacuum-sealed plastic bag containing approximately 0.5 grams of methamphetamine beside the driver's seat of the car, and another bag with approximately two ounces of methamphetamine beside the passenger seat where Hawkins was riding. The citation says Hawkins was wearing a Heritage revolver. He was charged with first-degree trafficking and a controlled substance, first offense. Polly is charged with no or expired registration plates, failure of owner to maintain required insurance security, first offense, operating vehicle with expired operator's license, and first-degree trafficking in a controlled substance, first offense greater than or equal to 2 grams methamphetamine. Jerry Markham, 31, of 147 Sylvester Branch, Emelina, was charged on December 1st with several moving violations and one count of trafficking in a controlled substance. First offense, carfentanil or fentanyl derivatives. Travis Toller, 37, of 74 Riverside Trailer Court, was arrested December 4th and charged with third-degree criminal mischief and trafficking in a controlled substance, carfentanil or fentanyl. A deputy was dispatched to the trailer court for a report of a man beating on a trailer with a steel pole. Toller was arrested and was charged after the deputy found a bag containing a pink paste believed to be fentanyl. Steins said the substance is being sent to a lab. The next headline is, Judge Tosses Woman's Complaint. A federal judge has dismissed a motion from Kerry Hall seeking to overturn her guilty plea in Letcher Circuit Court. In throwing out Hall's self-filed motion for a writ of habeas corpus, U.S. District Judge Danny C. Reeves, Chief Judge for the Eastern District of Kentucky, adopted the recommendations of a magistrate judge in full. He dismissed the motion without prejudice, meaning she can bring it to the court again if she exhausts all other options available to her because no reasonable jurist would debate that Hall's claims are unexhausted, the undersigned agrees that no certificate of appealability should issue. Accordingly, it is hereby ordered as follows. One, the United States Magistrate Judge Matthew A. Stinnett's report and recommendation is adopted in full and incorporated herein. Two, Petitioner Hall's petition for a writ of habeas corpus is dismissed without prejudice and stricken from the docket. Reeves wrote in his order. Hall, 44, was arrested October 30, 2020, and pleaded guilty in April 2023 to two counts of first-degree sexual abuse, two counts of third-degree rape, five counts of use of an electronic device to induce a minor to engage in sexual or prohibited activities, four counts of use of a minor under 18 years old in a sexual performance, three counts of viewing or possession of matter portraying a minor in a sexual performance, five counts of tampering with a witness, and one count of sodomy. Hall, who was a nurse midwife at the time, was accused of having illegal sexual contact with a high school boy. She filed a handwritten application for a writ of habeas corpus in U.S. District Court for the Western District of Kentucky where a judge dismissed it and transferred it to the Eastern District, where the crimes occurred. 
In her motion, she wrote that she only pleaded guilty because she didn't think she could get a fair trial, in part due to inability to choose a fair, unbiased jury. A writ of habeas corpus is an order to bring a person before the court for testimony for an inquiry into why they are being held or for prosecution. And the next story, burn ban lifted. The Lester County burn ban has been lifted as of Monday, December 4th. The fall burn ban is still in effect until December 15th. Residents can burn from 6 p.m. till 6 a.m. They must stay 150 feet away from wooded areas and remain with the fire until it is completely out. And the next story is, Board learns of poor test scores, VOTEC changes. The Letcher County Area Technology Center, or vocational school, has been undergoing some changes after appointment of a new principal this year. Principal Casey Breeding, formerly the drafting teacher at the school, told the Letcher County Board of Education this week that the students have built storage shelters behind the school to get supplies out of the shop areas, and the school is targeting academics as well as trade proficiency and is increasing public participation in the school's programming. A big goal of mine is to get more parents and more industry people involved, Breeding said. He said, while the state requires the school to have two parents and two students on an advisory committee for each program, he told the teachers there to double that number this year. For the first meeting, more than 70 parents showed up to watch students demonstrate the trades they're learning. Breeding spoke to the board as part of its regular monthly program in which a different school sends its principal and sometimes students to report what their schools are doing. Breeding said in state competition, a student from the Letcher County ATC finished 10th out of 50 schools competing in HVAC. He said as a result, the student landed an apprenticeship with a national company. He'll work three days a week and earn $27 an hour while he gets his journeyman license, and $48 an hour when he finishes, Breeding said. He said he hopes that example will show vocational students that they can earn high wages and can work for big companies with the education they receive here. He said this year, 78% of students tested as industry-ready, far above the state requirement of 50%. Our construction team poured concrete this year, and they've never done that before, he said. And, Breeding said, while the school is a vocational program, it also has a large number of students who take dual credit, high school and college classes, and have high scores in math. Breeding said he wants the students to be work-ready, but he also wants them to go on to college and seek a degree as well. Superintendent Denise Yance said Breeding has jumped right in to work on academics as well as vocational classes and is working with the high school administration in those efforts. The ATC is on the high school campus and is connected to Letcher County Central High School by a pedway, but is not part of the school. Also at the meeting, Director of Curriculum and Instruction Ronnie Goins explained to the board how to read the new test scores, which were released to the public on Halloween. The next story is, reviews find 0% error rate in flood relief spending. 
the Office of the Inspector General of the Kentucky Finance and Administration Cabinet issued an independent review of the state's two privately donated disaster relief funds totaling more than $65.7 million and found that the funds have been managed properly and helped survivors of the 2021 tornadoes and the 2022 floods. The Inspector General also issued two recommendations to support any future payments. The office, which released the report Tuesday, began its independent review in August after the state auditor announced his office would conduct a special examination for the Team Western Kentucky Tornado Relief Fund and the Team Eastern Kentucky Flood Relief Fund. Both funds are administered by the Public Protection Cabinet, which had prior success in managing relief funds. The Inspector General found the Team Eastern Kentucky Flood Relief Fund had a 0% error rate, and the Team Western Kentucky Tornado Relief Fund had a 0.14555% error rate on total dollars paid. For comparison, the White House Office of Management and Budget recently released its annual data on improper payments from federal programs and cited an improper and insufficient documentation payment rate at 5.43% for fiscal year 2023. The governor and the cabinet acted quickly to raise the donated funds and help Kentuckians in desperate need after the 2021 tornadoes in western Kentucky and the 2022 flooding in eastern Kentucky, said Jerry Grigsby, Inspector General. After a nearly four-month review, we found that the funds were managed with complete transparency and in accordance with the law. Staff exhibited strong segregation of duties across all the fund programs and had strong or overall effective internal controls to guard against waste, fraud, or abuse of funds. Over the course of now nearly two years, the Public Protection Cabinet received $52,384,713.06 in private donations to the Team Western Kentucky Tornado Relief Fund. The funds first paid $810,000 to pay for the funeral expenses of the 81 Kentuckians who perished. As of the November monthly report, $47,944,436.37 had been disbursed from the fund to help victims of the tornadoes rebuild their lives and homes. The Team Eastern Kentucky Flood Relief Fund received $13,409,511.83 in private donations. The fund first paid $440,000 to cover the funeral expenses of the 44 Kentuckians lost during the flooding. As of the November monthly report, $5,592,648 had been paid to assist victims of the floods recover and rebuild. The remaining funds are being used to support the construction and rehabilitation of homes. Each allotment of the privately donated funds was announced publicly by the governor and posted online. The Office of Inspector General did recommend that the Public Protection Cabinet formalize its internal review and approval process and also recommended that the Cabinet continue to refine the data analytics and review process to prevent future payment errors. This recommendation follows the Cabinet's discovery of 53 payments issued in error 
in the Team Western Kentucky Tornado Relief Fund, attributing 38 of those payments to its data analytics not catching inconsistencies in the data because of the way the data was delivered to the cabinet by insurance companies. Overall, the payments made in error represent 0.2645% of total number of payments and 0.14555% of total dollars paid from the Team Western Kentucky Tornado Relief Fund. In the home building and repair programs for each fund, the office recommends that the Public Protection Cabinet strive for a greater consistency in monitoring the progress of the nonprofit builder's efforts and also recommends that the Cabinet develop more universal forms for the Unmet Needs Program. The Office of the Inspector General is established by KRS 42.0147 and serves as the investigatory arm of the Finance and Administration Cabinet and is responsible for conducting various investigations within the executive branch under KRS 45.131. The Office of the Auditor of Public Accounts also released its report Tuesday and stated that the Public Protection Cabinet was aware of its oversight responsibilities and implemented controls to ensure funds went only to eligible individuals or entities assisting in the recovery and rebuilding process. The auditor's report states the cabinet had authority to accept donations and that the executive branch considered whether collecting donations was appropriate. The auditor's report states that the Team Eastern Kentucky Flood Relief Fund had no errors but lists an error rate of 0.57% for the Team Western Kentucky Tornado Relief Fund, which the Public Protection Cabinet clarified, saying it relied on verified data from the Federal Emergency Management Administration to send payments to survivors in declared disaster counties, and therefore does not consider these payments to be an error. The next story is Jenkins, one and one, hopes to reach higher level. The Jenkins Cavaliers split a pair of contests to start their 2023-24 season. Three days after losing to Phelps, 71-61, in the season opener, the Cavaliers were down by five points with 30 seconds left, but rallied to stun bland Rocky Cap Virginia by a score of 73-72. to Gavin Gibson started the late comeback after forcing the bland ball handler to give the ball back to Jenkins via the possession arrow. Then Aiden Hayes made a driving layup and got fouled. The free throws cut the deficit to two points. Dakota Johnson then deflected a pass that Gibson stole and was then fouled on a shot. Gibson made one of two free throws to cut the Cavs' deficit to one point. On the next play, Preston Hammonds stole the ball and drove it in for a layup for what would end up being the game winner. Sexton led Jenkins with 23 points and 10 rebounds. Gibson chipped in with 23 points and 8 boards, and Hayes added 12 points and 8 rebounds for the feisty Jenkins team. Our team hasn't necessarily put together consecutive quarters of the play like they're capable of, but they've shown a lot of fight and resolve in the first week said Jenkins head coach Winston Lee. We'll continue to build on the adjustments to help us compete at a higher level. We had a great home crowd for our opener, and it was good for us in refusing to let the game go late, despite being down with less than 30 seconds left. 
a couple of our guys stepped up to make a few big-time plays. It's always great to see players take accountability in making it happen on the floor. In the loss against Phelps, Hayes led the team in scoring with 18 points, including an impressive 8 of 9 from the free-throw line. Mason Webb added 13 points, and Gibson had a double-double with 11 points and 10 rebounds. Senior Braden Sexton contributed 9 points and pulled down 9 rebounds. The goal for us this year as a program is to compete at a higher level, said Lee. That comes with a more balanced schedule and holding our guys to a higher level of accountability. We've circled several games on the schedule that have the potential to propel our program's momentum even further. Added Lee, this season we will be small, so we were taking on a more fluid, small ball approach in spreading the offense and playing more aggressively on the defensive end. Our roster is deeper. Hopefully that means we can extend the floor and run a bit, then maybe run a little more. This edition of the Cavaliers has three returning starters in Braden Sexton, Aiden Haynes, and Gavin Gibson, each of whom averaged around double figures in the scoring column last year. Stepping up to bigger roles will be Mason Webb, a big-time shooter, and Dakota Johnson, a strong guard that will stand out as a physical presence on both ends, said Lee. New guys Preston Hammonds and Logan Osborne will fit in well in the scheme to play fast. Both are quick and aggressive, with amazing driving ability. Matthew Morris, our team captain, will provide a spark of energy and athleticism. Connor Rose leads our competitive underclassmen as big man that will provide big minutes in the paint. Lee said he is excited to see what transpires for his team over the rest of the season. Our guys have put in the work from summer camps and travel ball to weights and conditioning this fall. We are excited to see the payoff. The Cavaliers were back on the hardwood Tuesday night against Belfry, but statistics for that game were not available at press time. They will visit Leslie County on Tuesday, December 12th. The next headline is Letcher Central, 2-1, faces tough schedule. The Letcher County Central boys basketball team scored two impressive road wins over Buckhorn and Prestonsburg to open the 2023-24 basketball season, but were dominated Monday night by Harlan County in the opening round of the WYMT-TV Food City Mountain Classic. The 73-36 loss to the Black Bears comes just one week after the Cougars defeated Prestonsburg in a thrilling overtime contest by a score of 79-72. to They followed that game with a 66-55 victory at Buckhorn, with a depleted roster caused by sickness on the team. LCC coach Matthew Taylor was asked about a schedule that once again will be very challenging. He answered, Again, for the third year, we have one of the toughest schedules in the region. I play them on purpose. I don't think you get better playing lower-level competition. Last year, we played five top 25 teams in the state. I know that comes with losses, but I refuse to schedule down to up the wins. I think the winning comes with the competition, and it pays off in March. This season, we have all the big teams in the region coming to LCC, and some good out-of-region opportunities as well. We are in a loaded Christmas tournament in Gatlinburg, 
that we open against a defending Tennessee state champion. Another big highlight is being selected to participate in the WYMT tourney this year for the first time in a long time for our program. The next headline is Young Lady Calves, Lady Cougars Open New Seasons. New head coach Paul M. Whitaker's Jenkins High School Lady Cavaliers basketball team is gearing up for a season of both challenges and triumphs, boasting a young 16-player roster that includes one 7th grader, three 8th graders, and a quartet of freshmen. The Lady Cavs opened the 2023-24 season at home November 27th with an 82-21 loss to visiting Johnson Central High School. They then lost to Bland Rocky Gap, Virginia, 67-39 on November 30th, before rebounding December 2nd to a 59-48 win over Mount View High School of Welsh, West Virginia, in the Hoopalatcha Hardwood Classic at Twin Valley High School at Pilgrim's Knob, Virginia. And this concludes the reading of the Mountain Eagle. Your reader has been Bill Van Arstel. Now, please stay tuned for continued programming, and on behalf of everyone here at Radio I, thank you for listening, and have a good day. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.